0: Would you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6. Last week we had the tremendous opportunity to join with Lucas and Stephanie Nunley as they came to baptize Meredith May. It was our first baptism as a church and it was just a wonderful Wonderful opportunity and if you weren't here and weren't able to see that I have posted a few pictures we put together uh, that Pam took and I put a little uh, it's like 56 second video together uh, that you might kind of watch that it'll literally just take you a minute and uh, you can watch that and and see that uh, it was uh, it was a great and special time Um, as a part of that though uh, Lucas and Stephanie voiced uh, a few things that I want to share with you again Um, things that are are really, really important and a part of our regular baptism liturgy. They said this, they acknowledge that Meredith's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and, and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit. They claimed God's covenant promises on her behalf. They affirmed that they are looking in faith to the Lord Jesus for her salvation as they do for their own. And they also unreservedly dedicated her to God. And they promised in humble reliance upon divine grace that they would do a few things. One, endeavor to set before her a godly example. They said they would pray with and for her. They said that they would teach her the doctrines of our holy religion. And that they would strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then we followed that up. Again, those of you that were here, we followed that up and said that we would all undertake the responsibility of assisting them in that Christian nurture. And we were able to do that, and we did that, and we participated in that together. Because uh, as I was telling the children, part that I wasn't going to tell them that I already did, that now I'm going to repeat. We believe because of what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3... Uh, And and we believe it to be true that we are, having exercised our faith, trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are now spiritual descendants of Abraham and a part of the covenant of grace. And that promise was not only for us, it was also for our children. That same language that uh, uh, that, that God used with Abraham uh, is true of us. We read from 1 Corinthians 7 and we said there, Paul says there, that our children, because they are a part of that covenant, they are holy and they are set apart. And that means our children, as I was trying to explain it, our children have a special place before God on the basis of their inclusion in that covenant. They've been included in the covenant and so they now are participating in. In the visible church. The outward administration of that covenant of grace. They're participating in. And so they hear again regularly the teaching of the word. Our our prayers that they're a part of. And they are for them. And they are shepherded by the leadership of this body. Because they are a part and members of this church. And rather than go to either extreme of presumption or skepticism. We... We maintain our focus on the Lord, on God, who is faithful. And we have this ever-expanding hope that they will one day experience the inward reality of that same covenant. That they would experience the inward reality and will come to faith. That The same faith that we have been given, we, we have hope that He will give to them. And we know that all of that is in the Lord's hands. Trusting in Him. And that's why I prayed for... For them and for Meredith, when we finished, I prayed this. Grant Meredith the inward reality that corresponds to the outward washing. uh, That he would grant her the gift of the Holy Spirit. That her heart would be renewed and regenerated. And that she would grow up never knowing a day apart from the Lord. It was a very special night. And you say, well, why would we start there? We, we, most of us were there. You're rehashing that. and Well, I believe, again, as I told the children, that's why he specifically addresses them in Ephesians chapter 6. He knew they were covenant children. He knew that they were a part of, of other, the, the families of those uh, within the church. Uh, he knew that they would be present with them, worshiping with them uh, as a church. And so he's... Very comfortable, he was comfortable to address them specifically, sharing the expectations that God had for them indiscriminately with, with the hope that they were spiritually able to do it. But he not only addresses the children, he also addresses parents, specifically fathers. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But he addresses the parents because we are, we do have the responsibility to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so as we approach this passage, we ask, what is this passage? What is his point? And I believe his point is, if we were to boil it down, is that family matters. Family matters because the marriage isn't the only proving ground of our faith. It's not the only relationship that's dependent upon the gospel and that the Lord uses to exhibit the truths of the gospel and to point to the gospel. We talked about that last week in marriage, but marriage is not that only relationship. And so Paul briefly and matter-of-factly lays out a couple of uh, imperatives, a couple of commands, one for each, one one for the children and one for the parents. And hoping that Now, as we walk through this passage, that it will help us understand a little bit more about that relationship and what it does in terms of pointing us to the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So if you would, let's stand together in the honor of God's word and reading of it. And I'm just going to read verses 1 to 4. Wes did a great job of going back to 521, which provides the context. Uh, But let's read now uh, verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The grass withers but, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your Word, and we thank You for the reading of it. We thank You and ask You to bless the reading and the hearing of it and the preaching of Your Word tonight. We'd ask that You would bless us, bless all of us as a church. And again, may we be different. And Father, may we see Jesus it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So our outline, I've already said, is going to have two points to it. One for the children, one for uh, the adults, specifically for fathers. Uh, And I'm going to, as I told the children, I want to address the children specifically as Paul was doing as he wrote the letter. And I want to do the same thing with the adults. So children, I want to begin with you. And mom and dad, you may want to help them. But I want you to look at verse one of chapter six. Okay, Verse one of chapter six. Paul says very clearly, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, another way we could put that is this. We could say, children, do what your parents tell you to do, how they've told you to do it, when they tell you to do it. It's pretty simple, right? Well, we're not done. Because there's more to it. Okay, He says, in the Lord. Notice he says at the end, obey your parents in the Lord. And... By using that, that, that short phrase, he's communicating a couple of things that it's very important for you guys to understand, and for really for all of us to understand. And that one is your obedience does not earn or merit your favor before God. Very, very clearly, it does not earn God's favor or merit it. Your obedience is a result of the Lord showing favor to you. Okay? It also speaks that your obedience doesn't earn or merit your salvation, but your obedience shows, in fact, that, um, that, that you have placed your faith and trust in what the Lord has done for you in Jesus. Your obedience is a way to show gratitude for the grace that the Lord has extended to you. It's fruit of your salvation. I've said, and you've heard many times, it's fruit of your salvation, not the root of your salvation but secondly it also means that your obedience to your your parents as you exhibit that love to your parents you're also exhibiting love to the Lord okay you're exhibiting love to your parents but you're exhibiting love to the Lord as you obey your parents you're obeying the Lord he set it up that way. So as He provides that command, that as you fulfill that command, you are actually obeying Him. So as you obey and try to please your parents, really you're trying to obey and even more so, please the Lord. The two are very, they're connected and they can't be separated. So let's get real practical, okay? And that means let's get real specific. Um, that means it doesn't matter if they tell you to pick up your toys Um, Or clean your room. Or take the dishes over to the sink when you're finished. Or to get ready for bed. Or to do your homework. Or to put up the video game. Or to take the trash out. Or to be nice to your brother or sister. But whatever else they might ask you to do. You're to do it unto the Lord. Not only because they have asked you, but because the Lord has asked you. So he, God has given you the parents He has. Right? You've been given to them, and so they've been given to you. And He's done that and placed them in authority over you. And He's done that for His own glory and for your good. And we'll hear in a minute that, that He specifically speaks of how obeying is for your good. Now, because there's a question that a lot of you like to ask a lot, especially those who are like five, four, five, you know, the first question in your mind is, why? Right? I remember um, talking with uh, Theo Thrash one time. Uh, it's been about a year ago. And as we were having this conversation at Trinity Grace, every time I made a statement, his very next word was, why? And I would explain it, and he'd say, why? And I would explain it a little more, and he'd go, Well, well, why? And we come to something like this, and, and you're probably asking the same question. Well, why? Why are we to obey? Why is that important? Well, Paul provides reasons right here in the passage. He provides three of them. First, he says, we obey because, and you are to obey because it's right. Very simply, it's right. It's just the right thing to do. It, it's the way things are. It's just the natural created order of things. And, and it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter uh, whether you're in Arkansas or another part of the United States or anywhere around the world. People know, it's just natural to know that children obey their parents. And while some may rebel against that, some may push back against that, some may, may never really do that at all, but deep down they know that they should because it's just the right thing to do. But secondly, he adds to that, and he says, not only is it the right thing to do, he says it's also commanded. Notice what he says. He says, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. So this isn't just something Paul made up. It wasn't something he said, hey, I know, I'll get the the kids' attention, and I'll make them obey their parents. He doesn't do that. He he, he refers to the fifth commandment. Out of the ten, this is number five. It was, the Ten Commandments, uh, the summary of the moral law that was given to the nation of Israel and, and is still for us today as the people of God. The law is very, very important for us, specifically for a couple of reasons. One is the law points us to Jesus as it's already done in our worship service tonight. We read the law. We read the, actually the second table of the Ten Commandments. Right? And, it, and it pointed out our sin and our need for a Savior. So it points us to Jesus. But it also gives us what we need to, as far as His will is concerned and how we can please Him. And that's why Paul chose to use this in this particular place. Children, obey your parents. Why? Because God has commanded a long, long time ago that they are to honor their father and mother. It's the first of the last six commandments. And some people believe that because it's the first of those last six, the first four being um, how we are to relate to God and the second or the, the next six, how we relate to one another... He believe that because it's the first, that it's foundational to all the others. So he uses it in that way to say this is very important. Not just is it right, but it's commanded. But notice he uses the word honor instead of obey. It's interesting, isn't it? He says honor instead of obey. And, and, and this is real important as well. When, when we read that children are to honor their father and mother, they're really being, you are being uh, asked to show a great Uh, or to place a great quantity of worth on your parents. Okay? Um, Have any of you, adults as well, you've heard the phrase, you don't treat me with an ounce of respect? This is where that comes from. Right? Honor is placing a great amount of worth. It's a ton of honor that children should place upon their parents. It's a great weight that you place on them in terms of honor and respect. And so there's this heaviness of respect that you're supposed to have. So when you disobey your parents, when you disobey your parents, what you're saying in in some respect is I don't value you. I don't honor you. I don't prize you. Let's say they as an example, they ask you to clean your room and you don't. And you're saying you're not just saying I don't want to clean my room. You're saying "I, I know my my room is dirty and I need to clean it, but I disagree with you. And and I don't really value your opinion, and I don't revere you, and I, 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 I know better. And not only that, because of what we just said a minute ago, because when we obey our parents, we're obeying the Lord. If we disobey our parents, we're disobeying the Lord. And if we don't show them honor, we're not showing Him honor. And so there's a very real sense in which, if you were to say, I, I'm not going to clean my room, you're saying to the Lord, I don't value you or prize you, I know better than you, and I, I, I just want to do what I want to do. Maybe you feel the weight of the law. Right? The law is doing what the law is to do. And so Paul is stressing that command and it, And it not only includes right behavior, but it includes right attitudes as well. So he's not just looking for compliance. He's looking for and talking about obedience and honor. He's talking not only about a behavior change, but he's also talking about a very significant heart change. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. But I'm sure you're feeling the weight of that. So let's look at the third reason. The third reason is not only is it right and it's commanded, but he also says it will be rewarded. See how gracious God is? God is gracious because really being right and being commanded should be enough. But the Lord says, I I will I will reward that. I will bless that. And so uh, it's the first commandment with a promise. He says that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. And really what he's saying here is that even though it's commanded and even though that should be enough, he's going to bless you if you obey your parents. Things are going to go well with you. He wants to communicate what's communicated over and over and over again in the Bible. And that says when we do what we're told to do, when we obey, as we're told to obey, whether we're children or adults, the Lord is pleased and he blesses us. Now, that doesn't mean that everything always goes the way we want it to. It doesn't mean that we don't suffer. It doesn't mean that there aren't times that are hard. But it does mean that it's always better if we obey the Lord. It's always better if we follow and do what He says. We'll be blessed in the long run if we do what He says. So I think I mentioned earlier that it was pretty simple. The command is pretty simple. Um, But I think that we would all have to admit that it's not very easy. It's not really easy. So let me ask you these questions. Um, you you, You might be able to obey from time to time. But have any of you ever or always obeyed your parents perfectly? Have any of you always done the things the first time you're asked? You're two for two. Have any of you always done what you're supposed to do exactly when and how you've been asked to do it? Yeah, there we go. Have any of you always smiled and had a good attitude while you've obeyed? Have any of you never argued with your parents before obeying? No. No. Well, guess what? Neither did I. And neither did your parents. Nobody in this room ever obeyed completely and totally and perfectly the way God expects and deserves. None of us. God deserves and requires perfect obedience. And that is a problem. And that is why the weight of the law feels so heavy. Not only on you as I speak to you, but I'm sure your parents were feeling it as well. Because we're called to obey just like you are. We're, we're, we, have, we still have parents. And because we've, we could get into the leaving and cleaving and we're not really doing that much anymore, but, but we're called to obey in other areas. And the Lord expects and deserves our obedience. And what happens? We don't do it. So we all find ourselves in that place and we do that, we, we fail to obey because we're sinners. We sin. But there's good news. Okay, there's good news. We need to hear the good news. Like I said, this passage, it points us to the gospel. It is, it's, there's law, but we, we need to hear the gospel. You need to hear the gospel. We need to hear the gospel. So Paul's purpose is ultimately the Lord's purpose, which is he doesn't want us to be discouraged... And command us to do what, what we can't do or, or, uh, or don't want to do. The, the purpose is to point us to Jesus. He wants to point us to Jesus. Because apart from Him, we're, not only are we not going to do what we've been asked to do. But we can not do what we've been asked to do. And we don't want to do what He's asked us to do. We need Jesus. We, we need Him. And so there are a couple of things. I, I want to point to Him in a couple of ways. First, I want you to look to Jesus to trust Him and look to Him for the forgiveness of your sins, to look and, and to trust Him and to and, and ask Him to, to give you the desire, the desire to follow Him and to do as He commands. I want to ask you to, to ask by His Spirit that He would give you a desire and the, and the willingness and the ability to obey Him. Because me just reading this, Wes reading it and then me reading it is, is not going to bring it about. It takes more than that. It, it takes a change of heart. The law can't do that. We need Jesus. We need a change of heart. We need to trust in Him for our salvation. Paul's command doesn't have the power to save. Only Jesus has the power to save. And so I would say, look to him, trust in him, look to him for that power, put your trust in him for your salvation and to give you that power, that change of heart that you need to fulfill the commands that Paul's giving right here. And secondly, I want to point to Jesus. I want you to look to him and trust him daily when you disobey, because even as even uh, again, your parents who place their faith and trust in the Lord, they're, they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And some of you children are as well. But guess what? We still disobey. We still fail to obey like he's asked us to obey. And so we are, we, we are to look to Jesus. We're not to get discouraged and give up. We're not, it's easy to do, isn't it? When, when we seem to make the same mistake over and over again and we, get, we can get discouraged and down. And then what happens? We begin to, to not want to try at all. Because we'd rather not try than fail. And I want you to look to the Lord Jesus, because guess what? He perfectly obeyed His Father. He always did what the Father wanted Him to do. He always did it with a great attitude and joy in His heart. And when we trust in the Lord Jesus, guess what? His obedience is credited to our account. And so we, by trusting in Him, we stand before the Father as if we've always obeyed every time perfectly. And so when you don't obey, when you have trouble on a particular day, I want you to rest in His joyful obedience. When you make a mistake, or when you don't obey, or when you don't, out of that list, when you don't do those things, I don't want you to say, oh well, I'm, never, I'm not perfect anyway, so why try? I don't don't want you to, and I also don't want you to say, well, Jesus obeyed for me, so I don't need to. No. We rest in Christ's obedience for us, and we attempt to and try to obey, because listen, we have been set free. When we trust in Jesus, we are set free so that we might obey. And then we obey. And then when we fail to obey, we rest in Jesus and trust in Him and thank Him that His obedience was credited to us. And then we try again out of grace and gratitude. You got it? Feverishly writing. Well, Paul not only speaks to the children, he speaks to us as parents. He speaks to us as parents, and and again, I've already pointed out that he does speak directly and specifically to fathers. That doesn't in any way negate the role of moms. I mean, he uses the fifth commandment, and moms and dads are both addressed in the fifth commandment. So it's it's not that dads are the only ones that have this responsibility and moms don't. But he does specifically address dads in this passage, and I think there are a couple of reasons. And one is, he's already been defined as the leader of the home or head of the household. Back in chapter 5. And so he has the ultimate responsibility to lead the home. He has the ultimate responsibility for the spiritual well-being of the home. And so he, in that role, Paul addresses him specifically. And secondly, guys, you know this, but we have the propensity as, as men to be passive when it comes to our role. And Paul is specifically pointing to that and saying, you need to, here's something you need to do as well. So dads, I'm going to speak specifically to you, but moms, don't give up. You have a role to play and a responsibility in regards to these things. But notice that the command is a two-fold command. There's a negative. It's just like Paul has been doing throughout Ephesians. So there's a negative, there's a don't do this, and there's a positive, there's a do this. And so let's just break that down. First, he says the don't is, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. And we're going to do what we did last week in terms of submission. And let's talk about what it's not before we talk about what it is. When we talk about not provoking, it does not mean, or he is not meaning here, that you should never make your children mad. He's not saying here that parents, and particularly fathers, aren't supposed to cross their wills at any time. He's not saying that, and he doesn't mean that they are never to deny their desires. He's not saying here uh, that he's never to tell them no. No. What he does mean, and, 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 well, if we looked at the parallel passage in chapter 3 of Colossians, uh, I think his words there help us in terms of what it means. He says, fathers don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So what does he mean? He means when we do cross their wills, when we do say no, uh, when we do kind of, Uh, deny their desires or when we do make them mad we don't do it in a way that we crush their spirits we don't do it in a way to make them feel as though they never measure up we never do it in a way uh, we don't do it in a way and make them feel as though that they can't do anything right or they're constantly failing We don't do it in a way where they feel as though they're constantly falling short. That means we don't do it antagonistically. We don't do it inconsistently or unrealistically or have those unrealistic expectations. And we don't do it hypocritically where we don't practice what we preach. Rather, we do it with a bigger picture in mind. There is a bigger picture in mind. And so we want to let them know what that bigger picture is. So, yes, of course, there are times that because I said so is not only appropriate but necessary and called for. There are times when obedience does not need, or a desire for obedience needs to be explained. But even in those times, there is a bigger picture involved and at stake, and we should return to that when the time is appropriate. And of course the question is, so, well, if we look and we see, okay, notice how verse 4 and 3 and how they're connected, right? Obedience comes from honor. Honor comes from not provoking to anger. It comes from showing them that what is being expected is a part of something bigger. And where does that bigger picture come from? Is it something that just Paul made up? Or is it something that dads or parents make up? Or they can just be arbitrary and decide on their own what it is? father decides well this is a worthy cause so no the bigger picture is a part of the positive command the bigger picture is but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord so Paul says don't provoke show self show self control and instruct and warn them with the word of God Dad, you have a responsibility to teach the Word of God in your home. That's where that bigger picture comes from. And it's the bigger picture of salvation, the bigger picture of God's glory and the good of your children. The bigger picture comes from Scripture. We're to teach the Word that reveals what is right and points out what is wrong and what is true and what is not true. We're to teach the Word of God that straightens out what is crooked and, and makes it straight. We're to teach the Word of God that confronts sin and errors. It confronts wrong thinking and replaces it with right thinking. We're to teach the Word, to, ha- to teach them how to behave in the light of the truth and what's right that will equip them for, for everything. And some of you are saying that sounds awfully familiar because it's what Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. Right, we're, we're to, It says, from, Paul says, From childhood, Timothy, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, I was talking to Kate on Tuesday night, and so... And we were talking about that. My mom once said, "Listen, wear yourself out while they're little." And that's right. All right, that's right. Because this is this kind of parenting is more time-consuming and and an energy-expending parenting. It's parenting that's twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. It's parenting that's repetitious. It's parenting on purpose. It's parenting that says, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to do it. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that I communicate that well. And to help you with that so that you succeed. Even if it hurts a little bit and even if you get mad. It's being approachable. It's being gracious and kind and forgiving and patient. But it's also a parenting that's willing to set boundaries and rules and expectations that are firm and that are fair and that are realistic for the glory of God and for the good of your children. It's about being a parent and not a friend, it's taking advantage of teachable moments. It's about it's a parenting that's consistent and it's a practice what you preach kind of parenting that includes admitting your own mistakes and seeking forgiveness when necessary. And where does all of that begin? Where does all of that begin? It begins with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dads, moms, moms and dads, the gospel is for your children but the gospel is for you the gospel is for you really you first and foremost must rest in the gospel even before them why is that because if your main concern is being embarrassed about how they're acting or if your main concern is that uh, the the They're not turning out like you thought they should, and and you're worried about what everybody else might say, then what you've done is turned parenting into a mark of self righteousness. And when we're so stressed about that mark of self righteousness, what we what what we end up doing just from experience, what, what we end up doing is provoking our children to anger. That's the result. And so we've got to begin at the gospel. We begin at the point of the gospel on your own, resting moms, dads, moms, resting in the truth of the gospel, resting in your standing and position in the gospel and who you are in Christ. it's his work on your behalf, not how you parent. It's his work on your behalf that determines who you are. It's your identity in him, not your identity as a parent, not in your success as a parent, not even in your failure as a parent. Your identity is in him. And if you're resting yourself in the gospel, you will be surprised at how much easier it is to actually raise them in the instruction and the nurture of the Lord. And I love how David Strain puts this. I don't think it's too lengthy, but he says, polite, good mannered, socially well adjusted, thoroughly religious children are not our target. That's not what we're after. He says superficial, formal, behavioral change is not enough. No, Paul wants what he wants is for Christian children to know Jesus Christ and to obey their parents in the Lord because they love the Lord Jesus more than anything and they want to honor him. What Paul wants is for Christian fathers to be leaders in their home, spiritual thermostats setting the temperature high and leading their household to the throne of grace, training with the Word, training with gospel grace, always aiming at the heart and pressing Christ on the consciences and souls of their sons and daughters. That's the goal. That's why Paul is writing. Pointing us all to Jesus, pointing our children to Jesus, pointing fathers to Jesus, pointing mothers to Jesus. And and the bottom line in uh, bottom line is that this type of parenting, this type of parenting views yourself. Parents, dads, this kind, kind of parenting views yourself and your children through the lens of the gospel. And your goal is to train and teach your children to view themselves and others through that same gospel. Family matters. May it be so. Let's pray.